Hi, my name is Sophie. And I am Maeve. And you are listening to Activate On Air. So Maeve, it's our last episode of this season. That's so exciting and sad. Yeah, and for (laughs) us, there... Uh, we think there'll be a season two next year, but for us, it's over yeah. after this. As senior lads, yeah, we're off to newer things. I was gonna say bigger and better, but we don't know that for sure <gasps> <No>. yet. <laughs> different and different things. Different and more different. Yeah, greener grass? No, no just different just grass. Just different grass in a different location. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. So, for the very last time, I'm going to ask you what we are talking about today. We are talking about representation. What? What? <laughs> diversity? <laughs> yeah. Can I throw it back for diversity? Oh, yeah. Throw it back for diversity. It doesn't go it as doesn't, well with no, the rhythm. It <laughs> okay. Um, so, it's sort of an introduction to diversity. What? <laughs> as... It's sort of an introduction to representation. I think there are two other things that we must understand, or at least, like, set up. And those two things are, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Diversity. I kind of spoiled it. <laughs> and privilege. Oh, what, what? What, what? what, what? <laughs> so. Um, us, too, as mm-hmm. white women, we experience well, especially in where we live, not a whole lot of diversity and a whole lot of privilege. Yes, absolutely. So that's where we are right now. <laughs> um, in our lives, diversity is hard to come by, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely, you know, there's a population of a minority students at our school, but it is overwhelmingly white. Yes, and especially in the advanced higher, in quotations, yes. you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm doing quotations, higher track students, which is, you know... Like, AP classes. AP yeah. classes are predominantly white th- across the board. Our teachers are white, except for the coaches. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which we'll, we'll talk about um, a little later, because that's, that's actually a really complicated thing. Yeah. Um, but the whole importance is that representation wouldn't matter without diversity, mm-hmm. and diversity wouldn't matter without privilege, because... People are all equal, but other people don't see it that way, and thus there are privileges. Mm -hmm. And so without those privileges, diversity wouldn't really be as important as it is in today's society in a way to uh, work around the injustices that occur because of a lack of diversity or a lack of representation. Segway, it's important to have people in your lives, important figures, who are not the majority. Mm-hmm. We got there. It was a long thought, but we got there. Yeah, no, that was a good tangent. So, Maeve, where are some places that you think representation is important? Everywhere. Representation is important everywhere. Because yes. different groups of people go through so much, so many different things. Period. And, um, <laughs> it's kind of a duh statement. <laughs> but just the communities that minorities form... You know, Mm -hmm. that needs to be shown to a wider audience because Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, recognize your own privilege and to do something about it, you have to know the struggles of other people, which can only happen if you are around them and you, you know, get to know people that don't look like you. Yeah. You've inspired me. Um, Something you said, 
made me think of the really complex relationship uh, our media has with the word ghetto. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ghettos, obviously, well, I'm not going to say obviously, maybe you don't know. Ghettos in the beginning were a place where minority groups were gathered to live because they were uh, in a lower place economically, I guess. This might due not be the... Systematic, due to systematic... Due to oppression. systematic oppression. Yeah. So, you know, um, there were black ghettos and Spanish ghettos and Italian ghettos, I believe. There were Jewish ghettos, you know. Um, and it's a very historical thing that everyone should look into. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but as we've gotten progressed through the times that word has become like oh that's so ghetto like oh she's being so ghetto so it became less of a vocabulary term to define a marginalized group of people who live outside of and more of a negative describing word which I feel like happens a lot and it's just that that subconscious thing that people do for some reason where you they associate minority groups with negative connotations and it's seen everywhere, and no one talks about it because it's just like, oh, this is just a slang term now. We've turned mm-hmm. it, you know, we've changed its meaning. But the implications behind it still exist. Yeah. And so to tie that in, that became a thing that was represented in a way that was negative when it needed to be represented in a way that shed light and educated people about these groups. Something that I think representation is important to be seen in is stuff like uh so it's it's often like really complicated and stuff like commercials and like posters you know like s- s- you kind of had that whole like token minority thing going mm-hmm. on so like it's a big joke on universities that like on the front page it's like oh here is you know a latina girl doing science <laughs> and like it's very important and it's making steps like good steps forward but it became sort of a joke mm-hmm. But, like, stuff like marketing and posters and, like, things you see in your textbooks, like, that's, you know, all subliminally telling you the possibilities of the earth. Yeah, the possibilities for where people can go. If you're, Mm. like, looking at some STEM textbook and you see your white guys, how does that make you feel as if you're a a woman of color? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. To kind of move this towards art, um, you know representation in musicals and musicals that themselves like not just the actors like but the culture being represented through the content Mm -hmm. that's been really important and I think has done a lot to educate people something that Sophie and I have discussed quite a bit is when you have shows like Once on this Island Mm -hmm. turned into junior versions and then done by a group of all-white children when it is very clearly a show about race. And segregation. And segregation and differences in class. And doing it as a group of white students not only takes away from the story, but it also feels incredibly insensitive to the story that it's telling and the people that it's it's talking about. It's incredibly complicated, like, where Mm -hmm. to draw the line. Like, can my middle school of, you know, like, almost completely white children do Mulan? Can we do things like... they did. We did, like, (laughs) and we did. So it's like, is a story that isn't... In, like, for Mulan, for example, is a story that isn't necessarily about race, but is displaying a culture? Is that appropriation, or is it appreciation? 
but I would say definitely with Once on This Island, mm-hmm. a show that, like, you couldn't do Hairspray with an all-white cast. No. You just couldn't. And I feel it's the same way with Once on This Island. So I really, I don't, like, I don't know how that works even. The line gets much more blurred when the story is less specifically about race, for yes. sure. But, um, and and it sucks because you don't want to tell kids they can't do a show that they want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's also very important to, you know teach that at a young age like let you let people know what they're doing yeah it's so complicated and like I I don't you know it's the kind of thing where like normally I think I have all the answers Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) with this one it's like you know I I don't even know I don't know because people are doing it and it's not causing public outrage and it you know might make me a little uncomfortable but I don't know if it's necessarily wrong or not you know you'd have to ask someone whose culture is being represented Mm -hmm. if it's like harmful to their culture but I could try to make my best guess Mm -hmm. and it feels wrong so it feels wrong for sure but on you know on the other coin oh wait yeah I have something that you could you could be on the other side of okay um it doesn't doesn't fill around the roof isn't that about Jews yes it is Uh, what do you think about people who are not Jewish doing so this is a good transition because Jewish people are white presenting because they are white although you know it's the whole like are we an ethnicity there is it's a i'm not getting into that but we present as you know majority at least now you know not Mm -hmm. in different contexts maybe not but i pass as someone who would not get judged by the way that i look because i'm jewish and so it's the same thing where when people who aren't gay portray gay people Mm-hmm. And that causes upsetness because there are gay actors. So if, and I think okay, at the end of the day, I think it's if you are being derogatory, if the writing is derogatory mm-hmm. and calls for derogatory behavior, because I just keep comparing it to homosexuality because it's another thing that is part of your identity, mm-hmm. um, but could technically be acted as long as it's done right. So if you're gonna go on there and play a gay voice, you know and just take it too far and it ends up being homophobic Mm -hmm. then that's wrong if a bunch of people you know gave a really anti-semitic performance i'm not even sure what that would look like it would be wrong what it feels like because um they're you know quote unquote this isn't the right terminology but majority presenting it feels okay Mm -hmm. and more educational than not right yeah i guess the the being able to pass is definitely a big part in that Mm-hmm. Which is why I feel like it's easy to, like, relate Judaism and homosexuality in that way. And then it's just so much different for race. Absolutely. Because it's, you know... It, you get judged on yeah. it immediately. Yes. It's not, like, something you, you get find to out know. Later. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so this is a good transition to The Prom, which is a show mm-hmm. that we're doing at Cabaret for Change. There was some um, uncomfortableness, some contention around James Gordon playing a very gay man when he is not. He has a wife and kids. And there were gay actors who could have played that role. And, you know, like like we said before, you wouldn't have a white person play a black person. So a lot of people are like, you wouldn't have a straight person play a gay person. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't have the answers, but it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It is an interesting thing. Um, I don't like James. Me either. At all. I think he's very annoying. <laughs> Me too. Um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And I, I feel wrong even trying to come up with one because mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, the underrepresented group here. Yeah. I didn't per enjoy his performance. <laughs> no, me either. Me either. But, you know, like, people like Brody Blair, who is on our team, like, he's talked about this before, like, wanting gay, gay actors to play gay people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's, it's definitely it's a thing that they've expressed that they as a community feel. Right. And especially in that sense, like, when that's such a big role, you're taking opportunities away from yeah. gay actors who, you know, might, who are stigmatized against mm -hmm. who do like get probably get denied roles because of their sexuality mm -hmm. and here's a role for a gay person given yes. to a straight man yeah so like the same thing okay so like with the whole Sia thing Sia produced a thing called music which is a film about an autistic girl and had a neurotypical person play her and all these people were like there's so many neurodivergent actors who would have loved to have this role mm -hmm. so like representation is important and it's been seen time and time again where people call for these roles to be fulfilled by people who identify as what they're playing and I think the the really the big difference is is when representation only works because people are seeing it mm -hmm. so on the bigger scales yeah where like like so many people saw hamilton like we've talked about this on the show before and there was a plethora of representation in hamilton you and could not be white and mm -hmm. be on the cast no and so that's really good and i guess it's fine then to have you know an all not jewish cast play fiddler on the roof junior you know so mm -hmm. Yeah, and because it's a smaller scale, it has less of an impact, so you'd think it matters less. And you're just you're just educating your immediate community, which mm -hmm. feels like it's giving more than it is taking. Yeah, yes. I wonder if it's an all-Jewish cast when they do it on Broadway. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably but not. there's so many Jews in show business. There are a lot of Jews in show business. So may it's possible. Okay. <laughs> What we are talking about next is something that everybody loves. Everybody, everybody loves it. Everybody on the planet. It is required to be a citizen of Earth. And that is Disney. <laughs> the Disney universe. Disney movies. Yeah. Representation in Disney movies. Mm -hmm. um, black characters are Oof. usually not human for the whole movie. Yes. And all other races are, like... Are you human? The whole movie. Tiana turned into a frog, mm -hmm. like, two seconds in. Mm-hmm. Um, Soul, he was a cat. For the whole movie, the whole basically. Movie. Um, we all know Pocahontas. That was Horrible. pretty terrible. Horrible representation of an actual story. Yes, like, the actual genocide the, of Native Americans. Yeah, and just the complete whitewashing, and, and John Smith was such a yeah. good guy. And the he fact wasn't. that, like, we're still trying to overcome the like trauma that stories like that have done mm -hmm. it just shows like that is completely unacceptable mm -hmm. um mulan i liked mulan i yeah i liked mulan mulan is good mulan gets the pass mulan gets the pass <laughs> um you remember when everyone was like oh my gosh is elsa gonna be gay? G -A -Y gay and she just wasn't yeah and like everyone was like we're gonna we're gonna not watch Disney movies anymore. And we just didn't get, do anything with it. And every, it was just no reaction for well, nothing. Like, I don't think Elsa needs anyone. She's good on her own. 
No, and I agree. And it, but she's definitely gay, though. <laughs> but it would be really nice to have a gay character. No, no, she definitely is a lesbian. Like, there's just no way that Elsa is not a lesbian. In that my mind. Sense. Yeah. I mean, so representation in Disney films has always been sort of like a go-to because they are like the celebrities for children. And children need representation to form dreams so that they can perform... Okay, so, like, standards and feeling as a child that you have standards. People, like, the world expects you to be someone. Your parents expect you to be someone is important because if you don't think that, then you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna use all your potential. So we need to tell all kids so they can be princesses and they're not gonna think they can be princesses if no one that looks like them or is from their cultural background has ever been a princess. That's why, um... Period. There aren't any Jewish princesses. Aww. You can be the first. I'll be the first. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about the shows that we will be doing in C3 and, um, you know, just what just what the whole thing is about. So um, we've got some stuff from Rent and Dear Evan Hansen and The Prom and Newsies. So it's a lot of, you know, commentary on sexuality and, um, you know, class, vision, stuff like mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of commentary on mental health. Um Really, it's just, I mean, it's something that a lot of people have dealt with, and I think it's really interesting to see, you know, a group of kids tackle that as head-on as we're doing. Because, um, you know, children can handle heavy topics, and a lot of times people think that they can't. So I think it's really great that we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And we are representing things that you aren't necessarily going to see scrolling through your iPhone on the Instagrams or, you know, on Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. So bring your kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think the whole like thing about representation is that it's so universally helpful, and I think that's why this like kind of theater is appreciated both by younger people and by adults mm-hmm. because you know you're never too old or too young to learn. Learn as a baby. Learn as a dead person. Well, this has been so good for us. We hope that it has been so good for you. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, This is ours. Throughout these last few months. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Goodbye, we love you. Goodbye, we love you. We love you. you Kiss, kiss, kiss. Kiss, kiss. I'm Riley Suddeth here with Brady Ernst, our awesome editor for the podcast and fellow Activate Young Artists to talk about the interview that we got to do with Joe Ellen Pellman and our Cabaret for Change. Uh, Joe Ellen is also going to serve as our actor shadow of the day because I think it is important for you guys to have some background on who she is because she actually serves as representation for the LGBTQ plus community herself. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the actor shadow of the episode is an initiative that shows that not every audience member is the same. They are not all part of the majority, so not every actor is going to be the same. Joellen Pellman is a young actor who is most known for her role as Emma in The Prom, a movie that just recently was released on Netflix about a young lesbian in her high school getting involved in viral controversy because she wanted to bring her girlfriend to the school's prom. However, the school's PTA is against it, so she has to receive help from a group of Broadway actors to spread her message, and in the process, the actors themselves learn how to be good allies 
and Emma and her girlfriend Alyssa conquer the multiple hurdles that come with being a young same-sex couple in a world where not everyone is accepting. Joellen is a 24-year-old queer actor herself, so her appearance as Emma is a great form of representation for specifically young queer girls, but anyone that identifies as LGBTQ plus in the audience. You can check her Instagram out at at Jellpel, that's J-E-L-L-P-E-L-L, to follow her journey. But Brady also asked her quite a bit about her path to where she is now, so I'm going to pass it over to him to sum up what he talked about with her. Hi, so if you don't know, there are so many famous stars in the prom, including Meryl Streep, James Corden, Keegan-Michael Key, Nicole Kidman, and... So I was interested to know who was the most fun to work with or who was the most welcoming to her out of that group. And her answer was Keegan-Michael Key because he was super kind and open and joked around with her on a professional level where you you would think they had been already friends that had worked together so much. And she was this newcomer, first time on film, especially in such a big part with so many famous people. Secondly, I asked her about her experience in both uh, Broadway acting and film acting because she does now have quite a bit of experience in both. And she said that they're both such different processes and experiences altogether that to compare the two is almost impossible. And she said she just has so much love for both of those. I really enjoyed hearing what she had to say about her life and her work experience, but I asked her more about representation in the media because that's what Sophie and Maeve are talking about this episode, and I thought she had some really great things to say. Um, You know, one of the earliest forms of representation that stuck out to her, she said, was Kate McKinnon, and what I loved that she said was that she was unapologetically queer, um, which is something I think the world needs a lot more of, and In a similar vein, I asked her what her overall opinion on the media's current representation of LGBTQ plus stories is, you know, do you think it's doing a good enough job? And she said there was always room to grow. It's gotten much, much better, but there is always room to grow. And I think recognizing how far we've come is very important and very good, but also recognizing that we have a long, long way to go is also very, very important. Um, And then I kind of asked her about the relevancy of the prom, you know, because some people will say that Emma's story isn't really something that happens in high schools anymore. Um, So I asked her what her opinion on why the story is relevant is, and she said even if it's not happening in your school, your state, your country, it's probably happening somewhere. And if not, it definitely happened within the last 10 years, so it is still a pertinent issue. It's still something that happens or has happened recently, so it's something that we need to you know, break down the stigmas of. Um, So now I want to talk directly to Brady, the person who is responsible for us getting to talk to Joellen in the first place. So hi, Brady. How are you? Hi, Riley. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Um, If you're comfortable talking about it, what was that whole process of reaching out to Joellen like for you? Uh, Sure. Yeah. So she is one of the nicest people I have ever spoken to. And I emailed her towards the end of February and was asking her if we could possibly talk to her mid-March. And I wasn't expecting a quick answer, let alone an answer at all, because at the time I was emailing her, she was moving back to New York, and so many things were happening after the prom and continuing her career, and agencies contacting her, 
but she responded within like three days and again she was so kind she thanked me just as much if not more as i thanked her one of the nicest people i've ever had the pleasure of speaking to that's awesome because i definitely agree that she was so nice even when i just did the interview with her and i think you know, someone that humble and polite and kind is really nice to see, you know, who's made it in the industry. Um, so why do you think getting to talk to someone like Joellen was important for us activate young artists, you know, especially in the context of our cabaret for change? Um, so this is the first time for a lot of us as young artists that we've actually gotten to talk about these more heavy topics that we are you know, representing in our showcase this year. And many of us really resonate with those topics. And to see someone who is a queer actress um, be so confident and to use that in her art form was just really inspiring for all of us. Absolutely. Uh, her insight as a queer actor who made actually made it in our business is very, very inspiring to see, especially for a lot of us, you know, that do identify as LGBTQ+. Plus. Um, it's very nice to see someone who's made it that far. Um, you know, speaking of our cabaret for change, um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the rehearsal process. How has the rehearsal process been, you know, collaborating on those meaningful conversations like the ones the prom inspires? So it, it's really been different than anything we've done before talking about these topics. And I think it's been amazing for all of us because you can promote so much change in art and to be able to learn even the tiniest bit about that as young artists has been amazing for all of us and i'm really glad that we've had this chance to express that especially after such a difficult year definitely coming from that year and getting to do stories like this and talk about conversations um is very nice to you know just be open and honest and you know kind of for more of a silly question um what is your favorite number from the showcase and why i think if i were to be unbiased here i would say <laughs> um unruly heart which is emma's ballad from the prom and the reason i would say that is because it's such a powerful song in the context of the show but it, even if you take it out of that context it's it can speak to almost anyone, even for being such a specific story. And so many people can relate to that. And the fact that we're all able to be on stage singing this song, pouring our hearts out about so many different stories, but we can all feel that togetherness and fill the room with our voices is really powerful. I love that one too, especially because, you know, there's not a whole lot going on on stage and not to spoil it or anything, but it's a lot of us just singing and just being open with the audience and connecting and acting. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a really, you know, therapeutic thing to tell those stories like that. Um, and in purposes of plugging our Cabaret for Change, which you all should definitely go see, why do you, Brady, think people should come see Cabaret for Change? Well, it's been... A weird year and not much live theater has happened at all in over a year and coming out of that and seeing such a powerful thing I think would be really moving for an audience especially because we have such a variety of messages and shows that are represented that 
everyone can relate to and hear numbers from their favorite shows, everyone should go see it. 100%. I completely agree. Uh, Well, thank you, Brady, for talking with me today. And huge, huge thank Mm -hmm. you to Joellen for carving time out of her busy schedule to talk to us. It really meant a lot, a lot um, for us to hear her guidance and wisdom as young artists. Also, I know you've probably seen or heard about our Cabaret for Change and Into the Woods Junior performances, but I am reminding you that you can buy tickets for that at www.activate.ludus, that's spelled L-U-D-U-S, dot com. Um, performances will be at Moondance Amphitheater on May 29th at 7 and May 30th at 2. Well, since this is our last episode for now, I also want to say thank you for coming along the segment journey with me. I hope you've enjoyed getting to hear from all, all of these wonderful guests just as much as I have. Thanks for tuning in. Special thanks to our whole team, Maeve Denton, Sophie Hill, which is us, um, Brody Blair, Brady Ernst, Annie Harris and Riley Suddeth. This could not have been possible without every single one of you. And come watch Cabaret for Change and Into the Woods on May 29th and 30th at Moondance Amphitheater. Cue the outro! Bark 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 bark